0: Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, it's so good to have all of you at all of our locations, and today we are in our second week of our series entitled Reclaiming Irresistible, and this is a four-week conversation that is really based on something that happened about 26 years ago next month, and that is this. There was a group of about 35 of us that were really trying to figure out what the future of our church would be. Back then, it was known as Bethel Mennonite Church. Today, you know it as Rivertown Community Church, And, and it was through that process of struggle that about 35 of us, that's how large we were, we like, there was a group of us that committed to the dream of creating a church that not only church people would feel welcome to and love to attend, but also people who were not in church that they would feel welcome and they would love to attend as well. In fact, this was our goal that we started out with and that was this, it was to inspire the unchurched to follow Jesus and to equip the church to love like Jesus, and to this day, we've never lost that vision because we had back then, and we still have, and many of you still have, you have, the, you have friends and family members who have this whole idea that the church is anything but appealing. They, they find the church so resistible. Now, here's what's interesting about that. While they find the idea of the church or they find the church resistible, in most cases, they don't find Jesus resistible. In fact, the truth is when you study the ministry and the life of Jesus, you discover that Jesus was absolutely irresistible. And because Jesus is so irresistible, when you understand who he is and what he's like, we have believed from that day back then when 35 of us met that it is possible to create a place that unchurched people love to attend, that they can feel like they belong even before they believe everything about Jesus. So, in order to do that, we've done a lot of thinking over the years, and we've spent a lot of time asking. We've, we've started, spent a lot of time trying to understand why most people find the church so irresistible, especially in the 21st century, because that's the primary time that we're ministering in. See, the truth is, even if you're not a Christ follower, the church seems anything but irresistible to you, doesn't it? If you're one of our campuses, oftentimes you're like, man, I don't know if I wanna be here if I'm not a Christ follower, right? Because here's the thing, if you're not a Christ follower, oftentimes like you're not even sure you want it to be irresistible, especially when you see people or you hear people who call themselves Christ followers and they act nothing like Jesus acted when you read the gospels or you look at his life story. And here's the other kind of tension to this whole thing. If you're on the other side of this and you're a Christ follower, you kind of understand this tension as well because you know what you believe. And sometimes it's like you just discover something new about Jesus and, and you see how irresistible is, he is. And you're just so excited about what you believe and who Jesus is and what that means for your life. So much so that you would like to share it with family members and friends. Because you believe if they could just have a relationship with Jesus, if they could just understand the gospel, it would make their life so much better and make them so much better at life. But here's where often the tension lies for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Every once in a while, there's this door that opens up for a conversation about faith. And as soon as it does, what often happens is you kind of get like nervous or you get really panicky in your spirit. Or as soon as you mention something about God or you mention something about the church or something about Christianity, because the church in our culture is seen as so irresistible, you start getting pushback pushback on things like, well, Christians, I know some, and they're just such hypocrites, or, you know, I went to a church and they tell you their story. They tell about their bad church experience story or, or why they wouldn't believe in a God like that. And before you can tell them how that having a relationship with Jesus Christ, how that following Jesus made your life better, or before you can kind of tell them how appalled that you are of how certain Christians act as well. What do they do? They change the subject. And in that moment, it's like you feel so hopeless because for just a moment, there was this door that was open where you thought maybe you could have a discussion about faith. And because they see the church as so resistible, you either didn't get to have that conversation or you didn't feel like you were equipped to have a conversation with them or they didn't give you the opportunity to engage in a conversation about life and faith. Now, one other thing that's kind of important for us to think about as we are beginning this conversation today, and that is this, whenever the issue of faith comes up in a conversation, Because we are in a post-Christian culture, that conversation about Christianity is not normally in a positive light. But here's what we want you to think about. When there is a conversation about Christianity, While people may take shots at the church and while people may take shots at us who call ourselves Christians, the reality is this. They don't generally take any kind of shots at Jesus. They they will take shots at the behavior of other Christians that they've met. They'll talk about their Christian boss or they'll talk about a Christian who used to work for them or a bad experience that they had with a Christian. But what is so interesting, if you really stop and think about it, nobody really comes out and says anything bad about Jesus, which means this, that most people don't have a problem with Jesus, they have a problem with people who say they follow Jesus. That is why Gandhi said, after five years of living with a missionary family, this is what Gandhi said, after five years of living with a missionary family, and he walks away from Christianity because he says, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And that's almost devastating when you hear something like that. Here's a guy who lived with a missionary couple for five years, and he walks away from Christianity because he says, I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians because they are so unlike your Christ. So the question is, what do we do? Because we as individuals, we make up the church. And if the church is ever going to influence our culture with the gospel message, then that comes back to us individually. So how do you gain influence with the people around you who see the church as so resistible, especially when the people in our culture, they they have little time for the church or even less interest in it because it feels so resistible. Now, to kind of help us understand this and wrap our minds around this, I want to look at the words of a man who was so transformed by his experience with Jesus that even his opponents were impressed and they were moved by him and his Christian friends. And this man, many of you have heard about him. It's the Apostle Peter. But to kind of do that, let me remind you about Peter's experience with Jesus. When Peter first met Jesus, like Peter was this simple fisherman. He was unknown. He was uneducated. He was unimpressive. He was kind of short-sighted. He was selfish. He kind of had a big mouth. I mean, he would speak and then think about it later, you know, so there's always these messes kind of around him to clean up. And then, no, here's the thing about Peter. Nobody would have looked at Peter and thought, I want to be like that guy when I grow up because he reminds me so much of God. That wasn't Peter. But then Peter has this encounter with Jesus. He hears the teachings of Jesus. He witnesses the healings of Jesus. Jesus became his friend and then he became his leader. And then ultimately he became his Lord. See being with Jesus, it changed Peter's life for the better. It it changed it in ways that even amazed the people around Peter that knew him prior to being with Jesus. In fact, in the beginning days of the church, as the church began, if you read the opening pages of the book of Acts that tell the acts of the apostles as they launched the church, we're told that Peter appeared before this crowd of people, including some of his enemies who wanted to put him in jail. And when they heard Peter speak and they watched his courage, they knew without a doubt that Peter had been with and Peter had become like Jesus in his life. And because of Peter's way of being, behaving, man, the church, it became irresistible and many people were drawn to the church. And in fact, Peter was so passionate about Jesus Christ and his relationship with Christ that he was like one of the founders of the church. The church began to explode and eventually Peter was crucified because of his faith. In fact, tradition says that he was crucified upside down. In fact, according to the tradition, he said to those who were going to crucify him, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. And the Romans, they crucified him upside down. See, Peter was so transformed by Jesus Christ that he died for his faith. Now, with that thought in mind, In the first letter that the Apostle Peter wrote, he gives us some insight in how to live our lives so that people see Jesus in us. And then even greater than that, how that our words and our behaviors can make the church irresistible again, especially when people have little interest in it and even less time for it. Here's what Peter says beginning in 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 13, he says, "'Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? "'But even if you should suffer for what is right, "'you are blessed. "'Do not fear their threats. "'Do not be frightened.'" Now you gotta remember, Peter's living in a day and age when it's very dangerous to be a Christ follower. Again, remember, he was crucified for his faith. That's how dangerous it was. Now, here's the reality. In our country, we don't suffer very much. I mean, it's it's not like we suffer a lot because of our faith. I mean, you may not get a certain job interview or you may not get a certain date or you might not get something like that. There may be a little suffering here, a little suffering there. But the reality is most of us, we are ashamed to share our faith. We're ashamed to talk about our faith because we know the church and we know that the message of the church is seen as so resistible. See, and because of that, too many times, man, we are afraid of what other people might think about us if we share our faith, how they might view us. I mean, they might think that we're out of touch or that we're unintelligent or maybe we're overzealous. Like sometimes we worry and maybe even for good reason that we might be ostracized or attacked because the church is seen as so resistible. But Peter says, listen, you shouldn't allow potential suffering to keep you from standing by your faith. He says, listen, if you suffer for your faith, you're suffering with Jesus, you're suffering for the good of others. And he says, and hey, you'll be blessed in the process. There will be something about the presence and the power of God that you'll experience that you can't experience any other way. And then he gives us this powerful truth in verse 15. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Now, don't miss this because he says, this is the foundation for everything. He says, the first thing you need to do, the number one thing you need to do in your life, if we're going to make the church irresistible again, if we're going to reclaim irresistible, here's the thing. You've got to make Jesus Christ number one in your life. In other words, you've got to decide once and for all that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life and that he is the foundation for your life and for your behavior. That Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of your life. He says, you go ahead and you make that decision to revere Christ as Lord. But he says, that's not all you do. That's the beginning part. Notice the next part of the verse. He says, and once you've done that, then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, I'm gonna tell you, This is really, really important. I mean, this is an amazing statement when you think about it, when it comes to our life of following Jesus. And and probably the best way to explain the significance of this statement is to tell you what Peter is not saying. What he is not saying is this, is to be ready to answer every question that anyone might have about God and faith. He, He doesn't say, be ready to give all the answers to anyone who might ask you a question. He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to give, be ready, prepared to give an answer. So so he's he's not saying that you need to be able to explain your Christian worldview or be able to defend all of the Bible and everything that's written in the Bible. No, no, no. He's saying, listen, I want you to be ready to be able to give an answer for the reason of your hope. He's not saying be ready to give a defense for the church or be ready to give a defense for Christians who don't behave properly. He's saying, I want you, and this is so, so helpful. He says, you need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And what this means is this. is you should just have the simple, single statement to answer this one question. Why have you chosen to follow Jesus? You, You just, your answer is basically a simple, single statement. Now, now, somebody really wants to know all those really tough questions that sometimes you might get asked. I mean, there are all kind of resources and, and helpful things out there. There's a lot of books that have been written about a lot of those tough, tough questions. But what Peter is saying is, here's what you need to be prepared to do, no matter how short a time or no matter how long a time you have been following Jesus Christ, you need to have a simple, single statement to answer the question, here is why I have personally chose to put all of my hope in Jesus Christ. Here's why I have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Now. If you were to ask Peter, you said, Peter, like, why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Why have you put all of your hope in Jesus Christ? I think Peter would have given you a simple two-word statement, the resurrection, So if you ask Peter, like, why are you putting all your hope in Jesus Christ? he would be something like this. Listen, I watched him die. I watched him be put on a cross. I, I watched him die. I watched him be buried in a tomb. I went into that empty tomb and then I had breakfast with him later on the beach. Like he died. He was buried. The tomb was empty. And then we had breakfast on the beach. So Peter would tell you, listen, my hope is anchored in that event. My hope is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the resurrection, that was his hope. So he says, listen, you too, you need a simple, single statement for why all of your hope is in Jesus Christ. But he says, it doesn't stop there. That's not all that you need. There's one more thing that you need if the gospel is going to become irresistible again. Go back to notice what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, but do this. Do what? Your answer. The answer that you have, the answer that you give, this simple single statement. He says, you do this, you give this answer with gentleness and respect. Make sure you get this. How you give the answer, how you say the simple single statement is as important as the statement. In fact, you might want to write this down. How you say what you say matters. And please hear my heart on this. This is where we as Christ followers have messed up the most about our faith. Like, this is one of the reasons why the church has become so resistible in America. This is one of the reasons that Christians are seen as hateful people in America. Because for generations, many of us who have called ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, like we have lived like we are the authority and the majority in our country. We have used our power to make a point. We've used our dollars to demand our way. And let me just tell you what happens in culture. And this isn't just a religious thing. This is true about any culture. Whenever a group of people feel like that they are the majority, they begin to speak with authority that they don't really have. Please don't miss this because this is human nature. Again, this is not a religious thing. Whenever a group of people that they think they are the majority, they get really bold. And in their boldness, they become like diminishing of other people. They become disrespectful of other people who don't agree with them. They start speaking about people in ways that does not honor God or Jesus or the people. See, whenever you speak with authority because you think you're the majority, eventually what will happen is you will speak disrespectfully to people or about people who don't agree or believe or behave like you. See, we all gotta remember this. You never speak with authority because you think you're the majority. Oh, in fact, it's, it's because the church, we who make up the church, It's because we've had this attitude and it's undermined the credibility of the gospel and it's undermined the church in our culture and it's made the church feel very resistible. The truth is some of you on our campuses, you you aren't Christian or the reason it took for you so long to risk showing up in a church is because you've met way too many Christians. For some of you, the reason that you're not a Christian is because you used to work with one. The reason that you're not a Christian is because you had one that was speaking with authority because they thought they were majority and they started disrespecting you and they started diminishing you and they became very argumentative with you. So Peter is saying, listen, it's not about using power to make a point. This is not about winning Bible debates. He says, this is about being gentle and respectful with other people like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was gentle and respectful to people. Listen, there is never a reason to be disrespectful and diminishing to others. Don't forget this. How you say what you say matters. But then Peter continues. Notice the next part, starting in verse 16. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, which means this. Let's go ahead and give you the point and talk about it. How you live matters more than what you say. Make make sure you get this if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. The way that you live is more important than how you say what you say. Because literally what Peter's about to open up and say to us is this. Like nobody's going to listen to what you say if your life does not reflect how you live. In fact, as we shared with you every Friday, I send out this church-wide email to everybody kind of setting us up to think about Sunday And in that, we we shared a quote from um, Brendan Manning, and he summed up our whole sorry situation when he wrote this. He says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Don't miss that statement. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable or you could put resistible about the church. Which means this, if we want the church to be irresistible again, you have to understand how you live matters more than what you say. And then Peter tells us how impactful this truth can be in our world. Look back at the verse, here's what he goes on to say. He says, but do this, literally give your answer with gentleness and respect, but then keeping a clear conscience. So you have gotta make sure that how you live is lining up with what you say, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, there are going to be people who don't believe what you believe and they're going to look for reasons because they've met a Christian, they've interacted with a Christian, they've been hurt by a church. They're going to look for reasons not to like you. They're going to look for reasons to discredit you. And so Peter is saying, listen, you need to make, Make sure that you walk in the way of love. He says, so that your good behavior in Christ, he says, so that as you love others, just like Christ loved you, you do what love requires you to do. And like you be the light in this world and you love others the way that Jesus loved you. Like you just keep demonstrating selfless, sacrificial kind of love, not just with the people who think or live like you do, but with people who think and live nothing like you. And I think he would say, especially, especially with people who think or live nothing like you. But you give them a glimpse of God's goodness and grace and love through all your actions, through all your interactions. You demonstrate integrity, hard work, humility, and wisdom and purity and kindness and compassion and respect and forgiveness and self-control with all people in all places at all times. And what he's saying is, this is the example that Jesus set for us. And it made the first century church irresistible. And this kind of behavior can make the 21st century church irresistible too. In fact, as we said last week, we have to stop being loud. And we have to start being light. We need to live the kind of lives and share the kind of love that people would actually want to experience for themselves. In fact, I want you to notice the little twist that Peter puts in this phrase. See, so many times we are ashamed to share our faith. And, and oftentimes it's because we know that people see the church as, ir- or as resistible. Oftentimes we're ashamed to share our faith because our faith is kind of a lackluster faith, because we lack love and demonstrating love through our faith. But Peter says, listen, what's interesting, instead of you being ashamed to share your faith in a world that is against your faith, he says, if you live your life like Christ, If if they see your good behavior in Christ, he says, it is our enemies who are then put to shame when we demonstrate the strong, cohesive, Christ-like faith that is demonstrated through love. And he says, and those who are honest with themselves, once they see their good behavior or your good behavior in Christ, says they will be drawn to Jesus. So it's like he's saying, here's how you reclaim irresistible. Your love for people earns you influence with people. And we get that, don't we? I mean, like you give more influence to people in your life who you feel like love you. So don't miss this. Loving people, your love for people creates the opportunities to share with people The hope that you have, like when they see you doing things that are not natural, like you love those people who dislike you, you forgive those people who hurt you, you don't hang on to a grudge, you're kind to those people who aren't kind to you, they will want to know. Like, how can you treat this person so kindly? How can you treat them so well? How can you go through life and not be angry and bitter because of what they did for you? How can you be so kind to everybody, even those that you don't agree with? And then Peter says, that opens up the door for you to have the opportunity to share the hope that you have in Christ. See, that's how you gain influence to make the church irresistible again, which is why you need to have this simple, single statement that is gentle and respectful that flows out of your love for people that explains why you personally have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, why have you have decided to make him Lord of your life. And then you need to live your life in such a way that people look at you and go, you know what? I don't even know if I believe in all that God stuff, but those people, they live out what they say they believe. So here's kind of the first thing that you need to do if we're going to make the church irresistible again. You need to first have an answer to the question as a Christ follower that why have I chosen to follow Jesus? Like why have you chosen to put all your hope in Jesus Christ? Like why have you chosen to revere him as Lord in your heart? Why have you done that? Do you have an answer for that as a follower of Jesus Christ? See, this is the question that you personally have to answer. Listen. Whenever you're having a conversation and and, and somebody finds out that you're a Christ follower or something and they bring up creation or dinosaurs or end times or suffering in the world or did Jesus really say or I knew a Christian once, you know, I went to a church one time and they're all a bunch of her her, her, her hypocrites and whatever the story is, you may not have the answers to all those questions, but Peter says there is one question you need to be able to answer. Regardless of what all the other questions is, it's why you have personally chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Like why have you chosen to put all of your hope in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And your answer to that question, your an- or my answer to that question, of all of our answers to this question, it needs to include the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's why. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ had not been raised— Literally referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Listen, everything hinges on that event. That is foundation to your faith. See, the reason you're a Christ follower, whether you know it or not, is because of the resurrection. And some of you might be sitting there saying, no, 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 no. The reason I'm a Christ follower is this. My life, it fell apart and, and, you know, I asked Jesus to come in my heart and... My life is so much better since I'm a follower of Jesus. That's true, but the reason that Jesus made the difference, the reason that you turn to Jesus is because you believe that he's alive. See, that's why you have confidence in Jesus Christ, because you believe that he's alive. So some of you are saying, so what kind of statement do I need to have? Like what I need to be prepared? Well, here's an example of a simple single statement. Like somebody's asking you some questions and you can say, listen, you know, I, I don't know all the answers, but I can help you find some answers. We can get you some resources to help you with those answers. I don't know all the answers, but here's what I believe. I believe Jesus died for my sins. He rose from the dead and I've experienced my heart changing as I follow him. Like, well, I don't know all the answers to all the questions. I'll be glad to help you find some resources that can answer those questions. But here's what I believe. And here's why I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose from the dead, and he's changing me from the inside out. And that's why I follow Jesus. Not because I got the answers to all the questions. See, the thing that is going to help us reclaim irresistible again is the reason you're following Jesus, not the answer to all the questions that people might have about God or faith. And make sure you understand this, your simple single statement, it is meaningless and even offensive to people if your approach to life and your lifestyle does not reflect that you follow Jesus please hear me, for the church to reclaim irresistible again. It's not that we have all the answers to all the questions. I mean, there are plenty of resources I said that can help point people to getting answers for those really tough questions. You just need to have the answer for why your hope is in Jesus Christ, why you follow Jesus. And then you back that answer up. And here's the big thing, then you back that answer up with your conduct, with how you behave, not just words. See, the world is tired of hearing loud. They are looking for light. They are looking for light and selfless love. It is the path to bringing light into our very dark world. See, this is where we want to personally begin. It's where we have to personally begin if we're going to reclaim irresistible. And that is this. It's a simple, single statement. And then the big deal, here's the big deal. And a lifestyle that matches it because for too long, We had complex statements about our faith and we had no lifestyle that matched it. And we were loud about our explanations and why we were, everybody was so wrong and we were so right. See, you got to understand when you go back to the first century, this is where the Apostle Peter and the, and the other followers of Jesus Christ, they, they began. And the amazing thing is this. If we do these two things as well, just like in the first century church, we're laying the foundation for the church to become irresistible again. So here's our challenge to you this week. Who has God given you the opportunity to influence? Who has God put in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in the place that you work? Where that if you began to show the love of Jesus Christ, that that would become light and it might open up a door. Like who is God giving the opportunity to show that the church could be irresistible again? Like who do you have the opportunity to talk about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, but you've been too scared to because your lifestyle has not matched up to what you say you believe? So, what if you begin to live out what you believe? And then, once you begin to live that out, then as people see your lifestyle changing because of what Jesus Christ is doing in your life, what if you took the opportunity to begin to share your story of how God is changing your life? I'm telling you, folks. One conversation with a person about the reason that you've placed all your hope in Jesus Christ, I mean, it could change their life forever. But here's the thing. You need a simple single statement. But louder than that, you need a lifestyle that matches it. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ rose again. And anybody who can predict his death and pull it off, man, I'm going with that. And even more than that, you know what? He's changing me from the inside out. And if people look at your life and go, wow, you're right. I've seen the changes. That person could experience this personal experience, this remarkable encounter with Jesus that would transform their life, not just here and now, but for all eternity. You bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ministry and the testimony of Peter to show us how to do life in a culture that sees the church, the message of the church is so resistible. God, I just pray that you help us to do as the Apostle Peter has challenged us to do. That that we be ready with an answer for why we've placed our hope in Jesus Christ. But that answer flow out of our love for people that is filled with gentleness and respect. But then I pray even more than that, as we walk out of this place today, As we finish listening to this conversation today, that we will make the commitment that what we say matters, or how we say what we say matters, but even greater than that, how we live, it really, really matters. So we need the power of your Holy Spirit. And we're inviting your Holy Spirit to fill us and and control us so that our actions and our reactions the things that begin to happen tomorrow, and the next day and the next day, throughout the next couple of weeks and the rest of our life. Man, we are living out the fruit of your spirit, not out the attitudes of the flesh. God, we need the fruit of your spirit. It's the only way. It's the only way the church is going to be seen as irresistible again. So we choose to say, God, we want to revere you as Lord in our heart. Fill our lives. Control our lives. We follow you because we want your fruit flowing through us from this day forward. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. Y'all have a great day. See you tonight at Night of Worship. The battle is won, the battle is won in you. My future is your sure For my God, you are so, my God, you are breaking through.